Hi, this is Edwin Crozier with the Franklin Church of Christ. I want to thank you for joining us as we open our Bibles and learn how to serve the Lord. During the lesson you're about to hear, I want you to think about those little crosses you see on the roadside. What do they make you think of? Hopefully by the time we're done with today's lesson, those little crosses will be something that really do make you think. So open your Bibles and study along with us as we learn about crosses on the roadside. Some people are saddened when they see them. Some people are annoyed when they see them. Some people don't give them a second thought. I'm talking about crosses on the roadside. In the past, I've never thought much about crosses on the roadside. They kind of irritate me and I just pass on. But there was a friend of mine that, that talked to me about what he thought of when he saw crosses on the roadside. And it's changed my perspective a little bit. Now, I don't want to talk about the appropriateness of using a cross. I don't want to talk about the possible distraction they can be to drivers. I just want to talk about some questions that might change your perspective and what those crosses mean and what they mean about us, and what they mean about the people with whom we come in contact. I've got five questions I'd like for us to consider this morning. The very first one that I think of when I see that cross on the roadside, did the person that that cross represents know they were going to die? Did he know that he would never see his family again? Did she realize that she would never hold her children again? Did he know that he would never meet with the saints to worship again? Did she know that she would never pray again? Did they realize that they would never have an opportunity to obey Christ's gospel again? Of course not. They're just driving along. Perhaps they were thinking about their lunch. Perhaps they were thinking about the ball game. Perhaps they were thinking about their children. Perhaps they were thinking about their children's grades at school. Perhaps they were thinking about trouble they had on the job or at home, but in an instant. The great majority of their thoughts became pointless because they died. And they had no idea it was coming. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Beginning at verse 11 says... I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the warriors, and neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability. For time and chance overtake them all. They didn't know it was coming. Moreover, Man does not know his time. Like fish caught in a treacherous net and birds trapped in a snare, so the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. They didn't know they were going to die. Time and chance overtook them. Like a fish in a trap or a bird in a snare, death ensnared them. The Ecclesiastes writer in chapter 8 and verse 8 says, No man has authority to restrain the wind with the wind, or authority over the day of death. No one is in charge 
of that day. They didn't know it was coming. And yet, it happened. Second question. Why did somebody leave a cross? Why did somebody put that marker on the side of the road to remind themselves of this person and their death? Certainly, I don't know about every single individual, and I don't know what's going on in everyone's mind. I can only speculate a number of reasons. And yet, the overarching principle behind it is somebody considered that person worthy of memory. There was something about them that as they looked back on their lives, they wanted to remember it. They wanted to remember this person. They wanted to remember something about their life, something about their death. And again, in Ecclesiastes, we find a principle. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1. A good name is better than a good ointment. And the day of one's death better than the day of one's birth. Something about this person, they had lived in such a way that somebody thought they were worth remembering. And so they planted a memorial. They put something there that would remind them of their loved one, their wife, their husband, their son, their daughter, their mother, their father, their best friend, their sister, or their brother. And they wanted others to remember them. That's a powerful life. But I continue to think, and now I get down to the heart of the matter. Were they prepared? Somebody somewhere thought they were worth remembering. But were they prepared for what happened? And when I talk about preparation, I'm not here talking about having all their life insurance. I'm not saying that have they made sure to let their husband or wife know where all the paperwork was. Have they prepared their children for their untimely demise? I'm not talking about all that. You know that. My question is, were they prepared in their relationship with God? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. It's important to be prepared for all the things within this life. It's important to have your insurance in order. It's important to make sure that the kids are prepared for this sort of thing. It's important to make sure that your family is is prepared for all this. But what is most important is something is going to happen after you die. Are you prepared for that? That cross on the roadside, the person that that represents, they didn't know it was coming. They didn't have time to step back and make last-second preparations. The question is, were they prepared? I remember a parable in Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. In Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19, Jesus taught a parable of preparation. He said in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid in his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died 
and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes being in torment and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. And in verse 25, Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he's being comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us and you there's a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able to, and that none may come over from there to us. And in verse 27, the rich man said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they'll not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. The story of two men. For all intents and purposes, it looked like one of them had a pretty good life. It looked like he was prepared. The other one looked like he was pretty helpless, hopeless. And yet what we find is that preparation is not about what we accomplish in this life with material things and with material possessions and material plans. It's what we do with our spiritual plans. And Lazarus, the poor beggar, though he may not have been prepared for much in this life, he was prepared for death. The rich man had sidestepped all that. He was ready to live in this life a long time. But he wasn't ready to die. So as I consider those crosses on the roadside, I wonder, I hope, were they prepared? Which leads me to a further question. Can they do anything about it now? Now that they are a cross on the roadside, a memory in someone's mind, can they do anything about it now? Look again at that parable in Luke 16. The rich man wanted to do something about it. He was in torment. He was in agony. He begged that something might be done about his situation. But Abraham said there was nothing that could be done. So he took a different approach. Perhaps he could do something about those who were left behind. But Abraham said, there's nothing you can do about them. They've got the Scriptures, he said. They can use that to prepare. The rich man said, oh no, they won't listen to that. But if somebody from the dead came, they'll repent, they'll prepare then. But Abraham said, no. No. They've got the Scriptures. They need to use those while they're alive. Because after death, there's no room for preparation. When I get done thinking of all of these questions about these people that I don't know, I have to finally ask one about me. What about me? What about you? Are you going to die today? How many of you think today's the day, it's over for me? 
Of course not. None of us are thinking that. We're going to get done here. We're going to shake one another's hands. We're going to give some hugs. We're going to go eat. Maybe. We're going to get in our cars. And who knows, but maybe today is the day that we become just a cross on the roadside. Or maybe it's not going to be in a car wreck. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a stroke or an aneurysm or a heart attack. I don't know. What's our life been like? Let me ask you this. Have we lived a life that somebody would want to remember? If we died in a car wreck, would somebody want to remember our lives so much that they would place a marker out there for us? Have we lived a life that's worth remembering at all? Have we had that good name that is better than good ointment? I remember in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. That great chapter of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. God said, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. He said Abel was dead, but he still speaks, because he lived a life. He acted in a way that was worthy of memory. And God even recorded it in Scripture so that his life still speaks to us today. When we die, if we died today, would our lives say anything to anybody? What would they say? Would they say, be a good husband? Would they say, be a good wife? Be a good mother, a good father, a good grandparent? Would they say, work for the Lord? Would it say, work on your job as though for the Lord? Would it say, above all else, that you need to glorify God? If we died today, what would our memories say to those who remember us? And of course, the all-important question. Are we prepared? Are we ready? Luke chapter 12, another parable of preparation. Luke chapter 12. Beginning at verse 16, Jesus told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Here was a man that according to the world would be seen as wise and prosperous, but according to God he was the most foolish of all fools, because he had prepared for many years in this life, but he had never prepared for death. He had stored up riches on earth. But he had never stored up riches in heaven. He treasured the things of this world, but he did not treasure the things of God. And God said to him, tonight your soul is required of you. And now what are you going to do? He wasn't prepared. Are we prepared? Because it could be us. And it doesn't matter how old we are how young we are. doesn't matter what health we're in right now. It could be us. 
What about us? What about you? Are you prepared? In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 2 and 3, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 9, 2 and 3, It's the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good, for the clean, and for the unclean, for the man who offers a sacrifice, and for the one who doesn't sacrifice. As the good man is, so is the sinner. As the swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that there is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterward, they go to the dead. It's going to happen to you. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this comes the judgment. Are you prepared for that? On our own, of course, we're not. But here's the great thing. Jesus went to the cross. So that in that day that we might be nothing more than crosses on the roadside, we could be prepared to face God in judgment. He is our propitiation. He is our advocate with the Father. The question is, before you become a cross on the roadside, have you become crucified with Jesus? Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For He who has died is free from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Are you prepared to live with Christ? Have you died with Him? What about you? I certainly hope that our lesson today was beneficial to you, and I hope it made you stop and think. I hope the next time you see a cross on the side of the road, it'll make you stop and think. Again, we're not discussing the appropriateness of using a cross. We're not talking about whether or not it's distracting or any of those issues, but just to think about what those crosses on the roadside mean. Let's remember the five questions we asked in this lesson. Number one, did the person that cross represents know they were going to die? Number two, why did anyone want to leave a cross for them in the first place? Number three, were they prepared to become a cross on the roadside? Number four, can they do anything about it now? And number five, what about us? I certainly hope you're prepared to become a cross on the roadside. Not that I want you to be one, but remember what we learned in the lesson. Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. 
Now we need to go to the cross with him. If you have any questions about Jesus Christ, about his death on the cross, about how you can be crucified with Christ, please give us a call at 615-794-2359 or you can contact us through our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. If somebody gave you this lesson, we invite you to go to that website and download as many of our lessons as you'd like. You can get them in audio format as well as the outlines to follow along and study on your own. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.